Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome back into episode 123 of the Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be here for today, Thursday, August 6th, 2020. Probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and proudly brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. We are back. Um, missed the show earlier in this week. Schedule has been spotty over the past week or so. I'm going to talk about that a little bit here at the outset, but what we're going to do today, in the second half of the show, I'm going to talk about the gathering storm, the storm that is coming, and this pertains more to college and the NFL draft, but I'm going to talk about that. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk the first five games. I'm going to dive into that a little bit, got some thoughts on those five games, got spurred in the old noggin. As a result of a podcast appearance. So I did want to start there. But before we do anything, your usual reminders. Follow along on the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. Variety of places. Matt Waldman's Rookie Scout and Portfolio. The three SB Nation websites you know. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and Pat's Pulpit. And of course, Touchdown Wire. Part of the USA Today Wire Network. And before getting into those first five games and why I want to talk about those games, I do sort of want to say here at the outset, look, man, it's been a struggle. I don't know how all of you out there listening are doing, um, but I have found in, say, the past week or so, a bit tougher to get going. A uh, bit tougher to get going. And I, I, those of you that have been listening to me for a while, um, following the work for a while, know that I've been pretty open about Struggles of the mental health variety, and it's been a grind the past week, like I've said. And part of it might be a post-vacation thing. Part of it might be that, yeah, we're living in a global pandemic, but it's been a bit tougher to get going. But we're going we're gonna to try to get through things today. Uh, I'm going to try to get through things on a daily basis. Um, and maybe look at the, the simple fact of the matter is I need to stop listening to Folklore because it is a great album, but it's getting me down at times, maybe. I don't know. But we forge on. And as part of the forging on, I jumped on with my boys, Chris and Andrew. Chris and Drew over at uh, Rockpile Report recorded that show on Tuesday night. Um, by the time you listen to this show, this show that show might be out. Might not be. I don't know when they're dropping it. And it's going to be quarter, sort of a regular thing, me hopping on with them throughout the season. They're going to have sort of their AFC East roundup where they get people to cover the other three teams, in addition to the Buffalo Bills, on to talk about the AFC East. And so I hopped on with them, and we had like an hour-long discussion. 
And in the tail end of that discussion, they asked about the first five games that New England played plays in the 2020 season ahead. And to sort of set the stage for this discussion, it's important to remember that over time, historically speaking, Noah Princiotti mentioned this recently on Twitter. I forget exactly why, and it might be because of this. Um, Bill Belichick has treated those first four games or so as an extended training camp, as an extended preseason. And the fact that we're not going to get any preseason games makes that all the more interesting now because Belichick's mindset has been to treat the first four games as an extended preseason. What's he going to do when there are no preseason games? Now, how is he going to handle those first five? And so that's kind of the context, the backdrop to the discussion that I was having with my boys, Chris and Andrew. And then they put the schedule in front of me in those first five games. And I want to pose, pose to you this question. How do the Patriots have to fare in those first five games leading into their bye for you to feel comfortable about what they can do overall? Because coming out of their bye, here's a reminder of what they have. San Francisco at home, at Buffalo, at the Jets, Baltimore at home, at Houston, Arizona at home, then the West Coast trip, short week, where you go Sunday night at the Chargers, Thursday night at the Rams. Then they come cross-country 10 days later, play Miami. And then Buffalo at home and the Jets at home to close out the season. That's a tricky little end to the season, coming out of your bye in week six. So how do you feel that they have to do in the first five? And here's what those first five games are. Those of you that have forgotten, Miami at Seattle, Las Vegas, which is still strange to say, at Kansas City, Denver. Home away, home away, home. How do you feel that they have to do in those first five games? Now, part of me thinks they've got to go three and two at least, maybe four and one for me to feel comfortable about things. Because that second half of the season, those last 11 games, that's a tough stretch. I mean, that there are no gimmies in the second half of that. There are no gimmies on the schedule, I think. But looking at those first five games and knowing how Bill Belichick has traditionally treated the start of the year, I get a little uneasy about things. And so I'll pose it to you, the listeners. How do you feel that they need to do over the first five? Given everything we're living through right now, given how Belichick traditionally treats the start to the season, given the fact that the football is probably going to be sloppy from everybody. And that's not even taken into account. Who knows what craziness could befall the team, the league, the world. Let's be honest. Come September, come October. And perhaps in a way, it's almost a fool's errand to try to game out how these games could play out. 
But sitting here right now, start of August, again, without a ton of information at our disposal, you'd have to think that they need to do well in those first five. Like I said, three, two, four, and one to have a good shot. But at Seattle, at Kansas City, those games certainly look tough. Miami, look, you, I know it's a new season. And I know it's a different set of circumstances. But that Week 17 game lingers. And perhaps Bill Belichick uses that Week 17, as, 17 game as motivation. Although, I've often thought that once you get past the high school level, motivation, like if you can't get up to play a game in the NFL or, heck, even college, I think you're doing the wrong thing. Like motivation speeches, pregame speeches, bulletin board material. I think it's a bit overdone in the National Football League. But if there's somebody that's going to do something like that, like we've seen Bill Belichick before the Eagles Super Bowl, the first one, the parade route speech, you know, he'll find a way to use it. But I think the players are pretty good at self-motivation. But still, you don't certainly don't look at that game as a gimme. The Raiders look to be better. The Broncos going to have some weapons. And let's not forget, every time I do a show, every appearance I make, radio, podcast, wherever, the main question is, how are they going to be competitive? Are they tanking? What is happening? Yes, they've had a lot of losses. And, you know, the acquisition of Cam Newton certainly tempers what has happened on the defensive side of the ball. But it's a team with questions. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Everything is crazy. And so, as I said, let me know on Twitter what you think they need to do in the first five games. You can hit me up on the Slack channel if you want an invite to the Slack channel, which even though I'm only poking my head in here now and again, it's always rocking. You can hit me up on Twitter for an invite. Um, Let me know what you think they need to do in those first five games. Up next, I want to talk a bit about the Gathering Storm. Um, I'm going to reference a piece that I wrote for USA Today um, that's going to be up by the time this this podcast is posted. Uh, That's ahead here in episode 123 of the SCO Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 123 of the SCO Show. And before we dive into the Gathering Storm, I do want to mention, I, I talked briefly about Taylor Swift's album. Epiphany is track one. That is my take. Please, no questions at this time. Respect my privacy. But Epiphany is track one on that album. Let's talk about the Gathering Storm. And this was an idea for an article that Doug Farrar put in my lap um, like last week or so. And let's frame it this way. When I was down in the Outer Banks, a couple of nights, I got a chance to just sit on the balcony and see off in the distance thunderstorms on the horizon in the Atlantic. A couple of them did come ashore and you get that incredibly surreal experience of seeing a thunderstorm come closer and closer with nothing 
else out there. It's like being in the Midwest. Sometimes when you travel through the Midwest and it's nothing but nothing but flatness. And you get to see a thunderstorm rolling from what might be hundreds of miles away. A similar sort of set of circumstances. And sometimes the storms just skirted the shoreline and still you get to see the storm system come together and roll it. And there's something sort of peaceful and soothing about that. There's a storm on the horizon of the National Football League draft in 2021. And we know how this will play out. We've seen in the past, you know, 72 hours, might get more names today. A couple of college football players start to opt out of the 2020 season. You know, first it was Caleb Fairley, the Virginia Tech cornerback, widely viewed as a first round pick. You know, then it was Rashad Bateman, University of Minnesota wide receiver, also widely viewed as a first round pick. The next name to drop, this is rumored, Eric Edholm, who I know personally and think the world of over at Yahoo. He's set to, he he broke on Tuesday night that Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker who Mike Renner, a pro football focus, called the best linebacker prospect since Luke Keekley is reportedly going to announce that he is opting out. And in a way too early mock draft that I did over at Touchdown Wire on Monday, you know, Bateman and and Caleb Fairley were both first-rounders. I had Micah Parsons coming off the board at six overall. Like, that's how good he is. And he's reportedly going to opt out. That's one track to keep in mind. The other track is this. You've seen... First at the Pac-12, then the Big Ten. Players coming together and advocating for change from their schools, their conferences, the NCAA at large. Protection against coronavirus for the student-athletes. Protection for student-athletes in terms of revenue, in terms of scholarships. They're speaking up and advocating for change. Change that in many cases might be long overdue. Particularly if we're going to see guys take the field here in the fall, take the football field. Particularly if we're going to see student athletes take other fields, other courts, other competitions. That's the other track. But the gathering storm that I can see on the horizon, that the Doug can see on the horizon, that anybody that has been around the NFL draft can see on the horizon is this the red flags. And as much as we want to sit here and say, nobody's going to hold it against these guys if they opt out. Nobody's going to hold it against these guys if they've advocated for change, if they've signed on to a letter. You probably saw the speculation in the wake of the Pac-12 letter that Nick Rolovich, the new head coach of Washington State, was telling guys, look, you signed on to this thing, you got to go. You're out. And it turned out to be a misunderstanding. It turned out to be not the complete story. But when that first came across your timeline, you probably thought the same thing I did. And wouldn't it surprise me if some college coaches pulled that? Wouldn't it surprise me if a college coach reacted adversely to a player standing up for change, a player advocating for a better situation for student-athletes? Football coaches, by and large, they want conformity. They want people that are going to sort of get in line, that are going to do their job, 
They're not going to rock the boat. You know, all your, your favorite coach speak cliche, throw it out there. And that has often been an issue during the draft for players. Now, a prime example recently, Josh Rosen, right? Very outspoken, had interests outside of football, which was used as a strike against him. Same thing with Andrew Luck. He wanted to be an architect. Interests outside of football. was used against him. You know, Josh Rosen, let's put it out there, wears a hat on the golf course that is derogatory towards then-candidate Donald Trump. People said there was an issue. It was brought up throughout his entire draft process. And he fell in a little bit in the draft. And that probably has more to do with the fact that he didn't know how to identify the Mike linebacker because he was never asked to do it. But Rosen is an example of how red flags can be uncovered throughout the process. Teddy Bridgewater. Some scouts, some general managers compared him to Willie Beeman. He's a guy that fell almost out of the first round because of some red flags. And then, obviously, my favorite story about red flags is Marcus Mariota, who, since there were no red flags to be found, that became a red flag. And I went back and I read all the Mariota pre-draft coverage, and I think it was Chase Goodbread from NFL.com who was basically saying, NFL scouts are meticulous. They do their homework. And so if they can't uncover something, it worries them. And so now we have this situation coming down the pike where you're going to have players that chose to opt out, like the two and potentially the third name, Micah Parsons, in addition to Bateman and Fairley. Fairley, excuse me. You're going to have players that signed on to letters like these advocating for change. And then they're going to enter the draft. And we know what's coming. These players are going to be viewed as having red flags. And the guys that I'm more worried about aren't the Parsons or the Batemans or the Farleys of the world. Because those guys are still... Rosen still got picked in the first round. Bridgewater still got picked in the first round. Mariota went two. Andrew Luck went one. Like These guys that we use as stories about red flags, they go high. I'm not worried about the top tier guys. I'm worried about the guy that's like a reserve linebacker that either signed on to one of these things or opted out because of health considerations. And now it's day three of the draft that a team picking in the sixth round is looking at two different guys at this position, one of whom signed on to one of these things or opted out and another guy who didn't. And I'm worried about that player. You know, because these big name guys we're talking about that are are viewed as first rounders, it's not really going to ding them. Or if it does, they fall into the second round or something. But as the names of Luck and Mariota and Bridgewater and Rosen have indicated, maybe they don't. It's those more fringe guys that I'm worried about. So that's the gathering storm that I see coming. That this upcoming draft, the 2021 draft, is going to be nightmarish when it comes to anonymous scout season because these guys are going to get dinged for either Stand that up for their teammates and other student athletes at their schools, their respective institutions, their conferences, or because they opted out because of a health concern of their own or somebody close to them. And that shouldn't be held against them. But this is the NFL that tends to have a more small C conservative look of way of viewing things. 
They want guys to sort of not rock the boat, to stay in line. You don't want somebody that's going to be a character issue. And we can sit here right now and say, oh, it's ludicrous, that won't happen, they won't hold it against these guys. But are we sure about that? Are we sure that the league is going to be a bit more open-minded on this one? Or is the league going to do what the league often does, which is hold it against them and use it as a red flag? So that's the sort of gathering storm that I see coming about the draft. I um, wanted to talk about that for you a few minutes. That will do it for today. Um, hopefully we get some actual on-the-field news to talk about. We're getting into training camp. Players are back on the field for the most part. Obviously, the access is extremely limited right now, um, so it's really hard to say, "Hey, here's what's going on." But we've got, we've seen some clips of Cam Newton running on the field, so there's that. Um, but as we start to get more stuff, we'll get back to you know a more routine schedule. It's just everything's crazy right now. We're all piecing it together, handing in there as best as we can. That will do it for today. I will be back, be back next week. Until then, friends, check in on your loved ones. Stay safe. Wash those hands, and as you do, sin along, bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.